Chapter 22 of Dope. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Olivia. Dope by Sax Romer. Chapter 22 The Stranglehold. Less than a month later, Rita was in a state of desperation again. Casma's prices had soared above anything that he had hitherto extorted. Her bank account, as usual, was greatly overdrawn, and creditors of all kinds were beginning to press for payment. Then, crowning catastrophe, Monty Irvin, for the first time during their married life, began to take an interest in Rita's reckless expenditure. By a combination of adverse circumstances, she, the wife of one of the wealthiest aldermen of the City of London, awakened to the fact that literally she had no money. She pawned as much of her jewelry as she could safely dispose of, and temporarily silenced the more threatening tradespeople. But Casma declined to give credit, and checks had never been acceptable at the establishment in Old Bond Street. Rita feverishly renewed her old quest, seeking in all directions for some less extortionate purveyor. But none was to be found. The selfishness and secretiveness of the drug-slave made it difficult for her to learn on what terms others obtained Casma's precious goods. But although his prices undoubtedly varied, she was convinced that no one of all his clients was so cruelly victimized as she. Molly Gretna endeavored to obtain an extra supply to help Rita, but Casma evidently saw through the device, and the endeavor proved a failure. She demanded to see Casma, but Rashid, the Egyptian, blandly assured her that the Sheikh el Kazma was away. She cast discretion to the winds and wrote to him, protesting that it was utterly impossible for her to raise so much ready money as he demanded, and begging him to grant her a small supply, or to accept the letter as a promissory note to be redeemed in three months. No answer was received, but when Rita again called at Old Bond Street, Rashid proposed one of the few compromises which the frenzied woman found herself unwilling to accept. The Sheikh el Kazma say, my lady, your friend Mr. Gray never come to him. If you bring him, it will be all right. Rita found herself stricken dumb by this cool proposal. The degradation which awaits the drug-slave had never been more succinctly expounded to her. She was to employ Gray's foolish devotion for the commercial advantage of Kazma. Of course, Gray might any day become one of the three wealthiest peers in the realm. She divined the meaning of Kazma's hitherto incomprehensible harshness, or believed that she did. She saw what was expected of her. "'My God!' she whispered. "'I have not come to that yet.' Rashid she knew to be incorruptible, or powerless, and she turned away, trembling, and left the place whose faint perfume of frankincense had literally become hateful to her. She was at this time bordering upon a state of collapse. Insomnia, which latterly had defied dangerously increased doses of aronol, was telling upon nerve and brain. Now, her head aching so that she often wondered how long she could retain sanity, she found herself deprived not only of cocaine, but also of maloria. Margaret Halley was her last hope and to Margaret she hastened on the day before the tragedy which was destined to bring to light the sinister operations of the Casma group. Although, perhaps mercifully, she was unaware of the fact, representatives of Spinker's agency had been following her during the whole of the preceding fortnight. That Rita was in desperate trouble of some kind her husband had not failed to perceive, 
and her reticence had quite naturally led him to a certain conclusion he had sought to win her confidence by every conceivable means and had failed at last had come doubt and the hateful interview with spinker as rita turned in at the doorway below margaret's flat then brisley was lighting a cigarette in the shelter of a porch nearly opposite and gunn was not far away margaret immediately perceived that her friend's condition was alarming but she realized that whatever the cause to which it might be due it gave her the opportunity for which she had been waiting she wrote a prescription containing one grain of cocaine but declined firmly to issue others unless rita authorized her in writing to undertake a cure of the drug habit rita's disjointed statements pointed to a conspiracy of some kind on the part of those who had been supplying her with drugs but margaret knew from experience that to exhibit curiosity in regard to the matter would be merely to provoke evasions a hopeless day and a pain-racked sleepless night found kazma's unhappy victim in the mood for any measure however desperate which should promise even temporary relief monty irvin went out very early and at about eleven o'clock rita rang up kazma's but only to be informed by rashid who replied that kazma was still away this evening he tell me that he see your friend if he come my lady as if the fates sought to test her endurance to the utmost quentin gray called shortly afterwards and invited her to dine with him and go to a theatre that evening for five age-long seconds rita hesitated if no plan offered itself by nightfall she knew that her last scruple would be conquered after all whispered a voice in her brain quentin is a man even if i took him to kazma's and he was in some way induced to try opium or even cocaine he would probably never become addicted to drug-taking but i should have done my part very well quentin she heard herself saying aloud will you call for me but when he had gone rita sat for more than half an hour quite still her hands clenched and her face a tragic mask gunn of spinker's agency reported telephonically to monty irvin in the city that the hon quentin gray had called and had remained about twenty-five minutes that he had proceeded to the prince's restaurant and from there to muddy's where he had booked a box at the gaiety theatre towards the fall of dusk the more dreadful symptoms which attend upon a sudden cessation of the use of cocaine by a victim of cocanephagia began to assert themselves again rita searched wildly in the lining of her jewel case to discover if even a milligram of the drug had by chance fallen there from the little gold box but the quest was in vain as a final resort she determined to go to margaret halley again she hurried to dover street and her last hope was shattered margaret was out and janet had no idea when she was likely to return rita had much ado to prevent herself from bursting into tears she scribbled a few lines without quite knowing what she was writing sealed the paper in an envelope and left it on margaret's table on returning to prince's gate and dressing for the evening she had only a hazy impression the hammer beats in her head were driving her of reasoning power and she felt cold numbed although a big fire blazed in her room then as she sat before her mirror drearily wondering if her face really looked as drawn and haggard as the image in the glass or if definite delusions were beginning nina came in and spoke to her some moments elapsed before rita could grasp the meaning of the girl's words sir lucian pine has rung up madam and wishes to speak to you sir lucian sir lucian had come back 
Rita experienced a swift return of feverish energy. Half-dressed as she was, and without pausing to take a wrap, she ran out to the telephone. Never had a man's voice sounded so sweet as that of Sir Lucian when he spoke across the wires. He was at Albemarle Street, and Rita, wasting no time in explanations, begged him to await her there. In another ten minutes she had completed her toilette and had sent Nina to phone for a cab. One of the minor details of his wife's behavior, which latterly had aroused Irvin's distrust, was her frequent employment of public vehicles in preference to either of the cars. Quentin Gray she had quite forgotten, until, as she was about to leave, "'Is there any message for Mr. Gray, madam?' inquired Nina, naively. "'Oh!' cried Rita. "'Oh, oh, of course. Quick, give me some paper and a pencil.' She wrote a hasty note, merely asking Gray to proceed to the restaurant, where she promised to join him, left it in charge of the maid, and hurried off to Albemarle Street. Marino, the silent yellow-faced servant who had driven the car on the night of Rita's first visit to Limehouse, admitted her. He showed her immediately into the lofty study, where Sir Lucian awaited. "'Oh, Lucy, Lucy!' she cried, almost before the door had closed behind Marino. "'I'm desperate, desperate!' Sir Lucian placed a chair for her. His face looked very drawn and grim, but Rita was in too highly strung a condition to observe this fact, or indeed to observe anything. "'Tell me.' he said gently, and in a torrent of disconnected, barely coherent language, the tortured woman told him of Kazma's attempt to force her to lure Quentin Gray into the drug coterie. Sir Lucian stood behind her chair, and the icy reserve which habitually rendered his face an impenetrable mask deserted him, as the story of Rita's treatment at the hands of the Egyptian of Bond Street was unfolded in all its sordid hideousness. Rita's soft musical voice, for which of old she had been famous, shook and wavered. Her pose, her twitching gestures, all told of a nervous agony bordering on prostration or worse. Finally, he dare not refuse you, she cried. Ring him up and, and insist upon him seeing me tonight. I will see him, Rita. She turned to him, wild-eyed. You shall not, you shall not, she said. I am going to speak to that man face to face, and if he is human, he must listen to me. Oh, I have realized the hold he has upon me, Lucy. I know what it means, this disappearance of all the others who used to sell what Kazma sells. If I am to suffer, he shall not escape. I swear it. Either he listens to me tonight, or I shall go straight to the police. Be calm, little girl, whispered Sir Lucian, and he laid his hand upon her shoulder but she leapt up, her pupils suddenly dilating and her delicate nostrils twitching in a manner which unmistakably pointed to the impossibility of thwarting her if sanity were to be retained. "'Ring him up, Lucy,' she repeated in a low voice. "'He is there. Now that I have someone behind me, I see my way at last.' "'There may, nevertheless, be a better way,' said Sir Lucian. But he added quickly, "'Very well, dear, I will do as you ask. I have a little cocaine which I will give to you.' He went out to the telephone, carefully closing the study door. That he had counted on the influence of the drug to reduce Rita to a more reasonable frame of mind was undoubtedly the fact, for presently, as they proceeded on foot toward Old Bond Street, he reverted to something like his old ironical manner. But Rita's determination was curiously fixed. Unmoved by every kind of appeal, she proceeded to the appointment which Sir Lucian had made, ignorant of that which fate held in store for her and Sir Lucian, also humanly blind, walked on to meet his death. 
End of chapter 22. Recording by Olivia.